welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. So good. Natasha, take me back to my sewer tsunami days of blessed assurance. And I had such a flashback actually because it was probably one of the first hymns that I remember my grandfather teaching me on the cornet, which is like a shorter and fatter version of a trumpet. And so it just took me right back to that moment in, his, in one of their rooms at, at Grandma and Granddad's house. And he was teaching me that, that beautiful, beautiful hymn. And it is true that in Jesus we have a blessed assurance, don't we? And again, it's something that's eternal and it's not temporary. And so thank you for that amazing reminder as well. Just so good. So good to be able to be together, isn't it? In God's house, worshipping him and lifting him up. And as you know, the past two Sundays... We've launched this new series on questions in the Bible. And Pastor Nicole took us through God's first question to Adam and Eve, where are you after they sinned? And God knew where they were, but he was asking the question so that Adam and Eve could locate themselves, not only physically, but emotionally, you know, I'm afraid, and spiritually, I'm ashamed, I'm naked. Yeah. And last Sunday, Pastor Steve presented man's first question, which was from Cain. He said to God, am I my brother's keeper? In response to God asking about his brother Abel, who he, he had murdered. So we were, we were challenged to lay down our self-focus, you know, our tendency towards indulgence and self-sufficiency, and really to take hold of the responsibility that God's given us as believers to care for others. We have that responsibility, and it's a privilege as well. So what's clear, I think, uh, for me at least from the study so far, is that throughout the Bible, God presents questions to help us as human beings to think about where we are at, you know, emotionally and spiritually, maybe even physically, and to help us consider what's in our heart, that we might turn back to him as we become more aware that we need him, we actually need the Lord. And so today we're, we're jumping ahead to the Gospels as we look to Jesus And as has been shared previously, Jesus asked more questions than he gave answers. (laughs) He often answered a question he was asked with a question. And Jesus did this to help people to explore and and to challenge their thinking around the kingdom of God, that they might be drawn to him in a faith relationship. It's all about relationship, isn't it? And the amazing thing about this is that Jesus is on the same mission with us today. As much as he was moving in the lives of you know, the individuals that we read about in the Gospels, he is moving in our lives today. Yeah. God's Spirit is alive in us today through Jesus' death and resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants to, to draw us closer to him through the questions presented in God's Word. And so the questions we're diving into today are found in Luke uh, chapter 7, verses 17 to 28. And we also see this account in Matthew 11 and in both accounts The passage centres around Jesus and John the Baptist. And earlier in Luke 7, we read about Jesus healing the centurion's servant and also raising a widow's son from the dead. And so we're going here from verse 17. This news about Jesus, the miracles he was performing, spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? 
question has prompted many other questions amongst Bible scholars over the years, as many have considered the reason for his question. So was John asking for himself, for his own benefit, or was he asking for the benefit of his disciples? Did John experience a crisis of faith, and this question was a reflection of present doubt? Or was it that John's disciples were struggling with their belief? And so by sending them to ask Jesus this question, John was perhaps hoping that they would find reassurance in their faith. It's perhaps more widely accepted that John's question was indeed the reflection of uncertainty within himself. Yeah. And the reason that John sent messages, messengers to Jesus was because he was in prison at that point yeah. for speaking out against King Herod's unrighteous marriage. And King Herod was a ruler in the Roman Empire at the time, and he divorced his wife to unlawfully marry Herodias, who was the wife of his brother. Oh. And John the Baptist, yeah, John the Baptist reproached the marriage, and so he was imprisoned. Mm. So from within the confines of prison, which is an interesting thing too, we could probably preach just on that, that note, John's receiving these reports about yeah. Jesus' ministry. And we know that from the Gospels earlier on that John had been preaching about Jesus' coming, and he was urging people to repent in the waters yeah. of baptism. John had already been preparing the way for Jesus prior to his imprisonment. A couple of verses here, John 1 verse 29. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Matthew 3 verse 11. John says here, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. Given this, when we read John's question, are you the one who is to come? In other words, he was really asking, are you the Messiah? It would seem to indicate that John's doubt was coming from a misunderstanding of the ministry of the Messiah. So perhaps John was expecting things to look a certain way. He was expecting a different Messiah, a different Jesus. You know, many Jews believed that when the Messiah came, he would bring about a, a political deliverance against the Romans. The Messiah would be a, like a war hero who would lead God's people to victory by military power. And yet here we have Jesus you know, caring for the marginalised, yeah. ministering to women and children yeah. who are considered second-class citizens, yeah. healing the sick, wow. visiting the homes of tax collectors, feeding the hungry, calming storms, preaching to crowds and crowds of people about the kingdom of God in a way that it hadn't been heard before. And so it's not really the military role that I think many probably had in mind, and especially perhaps even John as well. But John's question isn't something new, is it? If we put John's question into our own words today, we might say something like, Jesus, why aren't you doing more? (laughs) We've been wrestling and struggling with doubt as humans since the very beginning. <laughs> Pastor Nicole reminded us that the first question asked in the Bible was by Satan, which is quite interesting, and it was to bring into question God's motives and character. It was to question his goodness. Against the backdrop of the Garden of Eden, Satan planted a seed of doubt in Eve's mind with this question, Genesis 3.1. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And they exchanged words. And Eve took the fruit from the tree that God said not to and ate the fruit and gave it to Adam, who also ate the fruit and sent into their heart. So doubt really took root in Eve's mind. How about us? What doubts are we currently experiencing? 
Where are we like John questioning God's plan? Where are we like Eve questioning God's goodness? How might that be reflected in our own words? Here's a few that perhaps might be familiar to some of us, all of us, (laughs) or certainly me anyway. Are you really faithful? Are you going to heal me? Are you with me? Where are you in this? Are you listening to my prayers? Is this situation ever going to get better? Resolve? Change? Just like for John, our doubts really come from expectations of Jesus, or expectations of God. They're really based on our limited human understanding. You know, the situation isn't turning out the way I thought it would, or uh, this prayer hasn't been answered, or this circumstance is not getting better. That must mean you aren't really who you say you are, God. Let's look at how Jesus responds to John's question. If we go back to Luke 7, thanks, A.V. team. Uh, Luke 7, look at how this helps us today. From verse 22. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You notice here that, and which is common, that Jesus didn't answer John's question directly. I believe he only answered, yes, yeah, three questions he answered directly in the Gospels. So here he doesn't answer John's question directly. Instead, he, he tells the messengers to return to John with the evidence of the ministry of the Messiah that had been prophesied years and years earlier in the Old Testament, particularly through the prophet Isaiah. We read in Isaiah 35, 5-6, Then the, the eyes of the blind will be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Isaiah 61, 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. It kind of feels like Jesus is saying, it might not look how you thought it would, John, but go back and look what do the scriptures say. This is, yeah. in fact, what God had promised wow. long ago. It was what my Father has promised, and I'm living it out here on earth. I wonder, what was John thinking as he continued to sit in prison? Was he thinking, and, I mean, indeed, if the, the disciples made it back with that message, you know, did, was, was he sort of wondering about that answer and that response? That's a great answer, Jesus, but how does it help me in my situation? Yeah. <laughs> Why have you left me here? You know, did John long to be back in the wilderness, fulfilling the, the call he had been given to prepare the way for Jesus? You know, for John, things didn't end justly. During John's time in prison, King Herod held a, a banquet for his birthday and promised to give Herodias' daughter anything she wanted. And by the request of Herodias, her daughter asked for John to be beheaded. And that's what happened. I don't know about you, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It doesn't, hasn't ended the way I, I thought it might or would or should. Yeah. In my, again, in my limited human understanding. I mean, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Yeah. 
And I can't imagine how Jesus felt when he found that out. We know from Matthew's account, it says that Jesus withdrew privately to a solitary place when he received the news. And so he must have been yeah. extraordinarily in grief and pain. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, really. I, I don't think it does. You know, It doesn't look how we think it should. I mean, why did, why did Jesus freak on from prison? You know, my thought with this when I read this is like, would Joe's life not have been more effective had he been out of leave prison and get back to the work he was doing for Jesus? I mean, I was, I'm, again, my human understanding, I'm thinking, wouldn't it be better, God, if you let him go out of prison and then more people may be saved? Sometimes things just don't happen the way we think that they will. Things don't look or happen the way we thought they would all the time. And we, we won't necessarily get the answers that we want. It's frustrating, yes. We can't necessarily change the circumstances. But we can look to Scripture. We can open our Bibles and find eternal truth. Yes. Circumstances are temporary. Our faith relationship with Jesus is eternal. Amen. So what does Scripture say about our doubts today? What verses speak faith into our hearts in the midst of difficult circumstances? What does God, God's Word promise us? His promises really are the antidote. For our doubt and fear, God's promises help us to hold on to hope when things don't make sense or when it feels like it's too much. To answer some of those questions I asked earlier, are you really faithful? Mm. Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly, there it is again, to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Are you going to heal me? Jeremiah 30, 17, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. But my friend or that family member, I was praying for to be healed of cancer. They didn't make it. We can sometimes, uh, I guess, misapply like you know scriptures. We take them out of context and say, but it says this in the word, you know. And it's trusting that that word that God brings it to fulfilment in the way that is ultimately best for us. And it doesn't always mean it's going to match our understanding, our human. Limited understanding over here. But it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change his character. That's what the enemy was trying to do right back in the garden. They're still trying to do it with us today, you know? Make us doubt his goodness. Make that, oh, but the word says this. And it's coming back going, God, your word says this. So I'm trusting in you, whatever that exactly means. Because I know that there's a new heaven and an earth one day, so I know I'm actually going to have a new body in heaven. So we know that, that, that this scripture is true. It just might not look always the way we think it will look in our yeah. human earthly experience. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. An important note I just want to add there. Are you with me? Matthew 28, 20. I'm with you always. Amen. To the very end of the age. Where are you in this? Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Yes. Are you listening to my prayers? Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. You're righteous in Christ. Amen. The Lord hears your prayers. Is the situation ever going to get better? Psalm 30, verse 11. You turn my wailing into dancing. Yes. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. Thank you, Lord. I loved reading this a New Version's verse of the day story recently. So a little quote here. God's word never has, nor ever will become irrelevant. Yeah. Regardless of changing times and seasons, yeah. 
and is available to prepare and equip us to accomplish God's purpose for our lives. So our doubt is not the end of faith. It's really an open door for reflection and growth in our relationship with Jesus. Through our doubt, we have the opportunity to look again to his word, which cannot fail, and, and find our way back to that posture of faith and trust. And I'm not saying or suggesting for a moment that that's easy. It's can, it can be tough sometimes. But, you know, he is with us and he is our help and our strength. Yes. And Jesus promises. He says it uh, back in Luke 7 verse 23. Blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of me. And so Jesus didn't want discouragement and doubt to ensnare John. And he doesn't want us to be trapped in it either. He desires for us to look at the evidence. The evidence of God's word, the evidence of Jesus' life, his death and resurrection, the cross and the empty grave, the assurance of eternal life, the promise of Jesus coming back, the evidence of our salvation, of answered prayer in times past, the small miracles of our everyday life. As we look at the evidence found in God's word through the person of Jesus and in our personal testimony, you know, what is your story, Cash is asking? We have a personal testimony that is a testament to who Jesus is in all seasons and situations. So as we we look to the evidence, those seeds of doubt, I believe they won't be able to take root or find ground in us. And if we do, thank goodness for the Holy Spirit that gets us back on track and really can, I think, uproot those doubts and throw them away and replace them instead with the life-giving words of Jesus. And so we've looked at this question, are you the one who is to come or, or should we expect someone else? And now it's Jesus' turn to ask a question. So we go back to Luke 7, please. I'm going to verse 24 now. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What's so wonderful, I think, is that Jesus doesn't seem overly bothered by John's earlier question. And in these verses, Jesus is endorsing John's ministry as a prophet in front of the surrounding crowd. And not just any prophet, but the only prophet who was prophesied about in Malachi 3 verse 1, which is what Jesus refers to there in verse 27. John is the one that was sent to prepare the way for the Messiah. So as Jesus so often does, he illustrates his his point through a question which he repeats three times. What did you go out to see? Mm. It was giving the crowd an opportunity to consider who John is and what God has done through him. And Jesus is asking them, why do we to see John in the first place? Why did they go out and see John? They weren't simply going out for a nice stroll in the wilderness and they didn't make all the effort only to see what John was wearing. So why did they make the journey? What did they go out to the wilderness to see? 
Why did we make the journey to Jesus? When we chose to follow Jesus, was it because we thought, yeah, this Jesus seems like a nice enough guy to base my life around? Did we choose to be a Christian because it seemed like a no big deal but good enough offer at the time? Do we read the Bible because it's a bunch of interesting stories? Why did we come to church today? What did we go out to see? I mean, I think we came to see Jesus. <laughs> we came to see Jesus turn our lives around. I think we came to Jesus to see transformation. I think we chose to follow Jesus because we we, we recognise and we still recognise today, which is why we still show up, that we need him in our lives more than what this world has to offer. I think we read the Bible because it's a living word that breathes life and hope and comfort and light into us. I think we come to church to encounter the risen Jesus. That's what we go out to see. It's the risen Jesus. It's the one who's conquered you know, the cross. It's the one who's defeated sin and death. And we come to see Jesus. I think we come to see the one who gives sight to the blind, who heals the paralyzed, who restores the afflicted. I think we go out to see the one who brings wholeness to our body, our soul and our spirit. Why else would we be here? Doesn't make sense. There's a reason we are here. We are here to encounter the risen Jesus. Why did we make the journey? What did we go out to see? Maybe it's time to recall those moments of salvation. What drew us to Jesus in the first place to reignite the faith in us. I love the psalm. Psalm 51, 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And that phrasing, willing spirit, actually suggests we can sort of lose, if you like, our spiritual zest. Where we're not so willing. You know, almost just going through the motions. He wants that willingness in us to want to run to him, yes. to hope in him, to call on him, to worship him and pray to him and read our Bible. He wants that, that fire yes. alive in us on the inside through the Spirit of God where he can draw us into that ever closer intimate relationship. Your relationship with Jesus where it is now, it's not, it's not probably the best it can be, right? So we can all make improvements Amen. to grow closer to him. So, so there's more to come. That's a good thing. There's more to come in Jesus. The more we walk with him, the longer we are in a relationship with him and we're seeking him and we're following him, there's more to be seen. There's more to see. There's more to see. There's more to see. So maybe God's calling us to really open our spiritual eyes again and to declare who Jesus is, to push back against the doubt. He is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the way and the truth and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Maybe we need to look at the evidence of God's past faithfulness in our own lives. When have we seen God come through? What has he done for us? If he did it back then, he will do it again. Lamentations 3 has first been mulling around in me for a while. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. It may look different to what we thought. Yeah. It, it may, it, it does, it is. But we can trust God has our best in mind for his purposes and kingdom glory. That's Thank why I see Jesus to us. Yes. Jesus says, as great as John is, he's nothing compared to those who share in God's blessing through Jesus. 
So maybe it would have been amazing to have lived in the times when the Red Sea was split in two, or the walls of Jericho <laughs> came tumbling down, or when Elijah defeated almost 500 of Baal's prophets on Mount Carmel. As great as these moments were, and as, as great as John the Baptist was, nothing compares to what God now offers through Jesus. Yeah. And it's special to share in the salvation and the eternal life that Jesus brings. We are part of this extraordinary blessing. So are you the one? Yes, he is. <laughs> are you the one? He sure is. There's no doubt about that. It just might not always appear <laughs> in the way we think it will. What did you go out to see? Why are you here? What did you go out to see? So might you just close your eyes right now? Thank you, Jesus. And if you just feel comfortable, why don't you just hold out your hands in front of you? Doubt is such a, a common battle that we have, that we face. And I just want us all to take a moment right now as I pray over you all to give those doubts, whatever that is, it might be specific doubts or just generally, to give those doubts to Jesus. I'd love for you to even just have something in your mind that you can give specifically, but if you don't, it's okay. God will reveal that to you as you keep seeking him. Jesus, we hold out our hands in front of us symbolically saying, you know, we hold doubt sometimes. We might even have doubts about where you are in our scenario. We might have doubts about your capacity to heal or we might have doubts about you generally. We're holding out our hands and giving you our doubts today. Yes, Lord. And as we do, may you deposit faith. May you deposit uh, in us uh, wisdom, understanding, discernment of what you're doing in our lives. Lord, where there's, where there's just a lack of uh, clarity, I just pray right now that we would receive clarity and that you would literally, I just see God you know, taking those doubts, just yanking at me because some of them are quite deep-seated and I just see him taking a hold of them like you, would, you, know, you take hold of weed, weeds in the ground and you're just ripping them out and he's taking them out of your hands and he's saying, no more, those doubts are going. Look to me, look to the evidence of my word, look to the evidence of things in the past, look to the evidence of answered prayers. Don't give up. I'm with you, I'm for you and not against you. And so we we really symbolically, Lord, as we hold out our hands, we're letting you take those doubts off. Because we don't want to be doubting your goodness or your faithfulness. We want to trust in that and know that that is, you're going to bring things to fruition in in the way that you know is best for us. We might not understand it in our limited understand, human understanding, but we're choosing today to put our trust in you as sovereign, as Lord, and we submit right now those doubts. And thank you for uprooting them from our lives so that we might move forward in faith. Yes, Lord. What did we come out to see? We're seeing again today Jesus who you are 
our resurrected Saviour. You know, that promise keeper, miracle worker, way maker, light in the darkness. We're coming out to see you, our risen Saviour. Yes, Lord. We're coming out to see our, our things shift because we're putting that faith and that hope and that trust in you. We're letting those doubts be uprooted. So we're coming out to see you again, Jesus. To see you move afresh in our situation. You know, to see you uh, in your glory, as it were, Lord. We're coming out to see you again, Jesus. We're coming out to see you again, our Saviour. That willing spirit to sustain you is falling afresh upon you right now. Willing spirit that's going to sustain you and give you strength in this season. It's coming upon you right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for faith just being still fresh into hearts today. And Lord, we acknowledge that we do fall short and we need you every hour of every day. The doubts sometimes come thick and fast, but I thank you that you're greater than all of our doubts. And I thank you that as we move forward from, from this day and into our weeks, that we would all be expectant of the Jesus that we're going to see. <laughs> in our workplaces, the Jesus we're going to see in our homes, the Jesus we're going to see in our own hearts, in our temptations, the Jesus that we're going to see in the, in the ordinary every day of life. I thank you. The Jesus we're going to see is a resurrected one, <laughs> the one who is the Messiah and the way and the truth and the life. We just thank you for being with us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, church. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.